This is the Talk Theater in Chicago interview podcast. I'm your host this week, Anne Nicholson-Weber, and my guests are three artists involved with the production of Hamlet Machine by Werner Müller, which is playing at Trapdoor Theater. Um, they are Max Truax, who is the director, Jonathan Guillen, who wrote the music, and Nevena Todorovich, who designed the costumes. Well, I think we should start by explaining a little bit about the piece and specifically the script that you began with, which is, um, from what I understand, an unusual um, script for a, a play. So, Max, maybe you could just describe what the piece is as written. Um, well, Heiner Mueller wrote a nine-page script. It's 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 brief, but it's very dense. It's not stream of consciousness, but it feels like an epic poem. So every word in the piece has an incredible depth of meaning. Like he's very, it's very thought out. This is a play about in, impressions. You have this visceral impulsive reaction you don't understand what the the meaning of every single word is but right. you get gist you get something from it mm. but um but there's there's very little action it's actually a famous it's famous for having changed the the scope of theater in general mm. as being the like the the flagship of postmodern theater it was written in 77 is that right uh, around that time. Mm -hmm. I guess the one other thing just as background is what relationship does it have to Hamlet? Um, I, you know, dramaturgically, I think it, it, what I understand is Mueller took the, the, the ideas from Hamlet and digested them and created this piece from his personal relationship with the, with the, the, ideas in Hamlet. Mm -hmm. um, particularly, he's riffing off of the ideas about an individual's relationship with their nation. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a, I, as I remember it, and, and it's interesting you use that word impression because it, I just have impressions of what I saw. I couldn't <laughs> sum up <laughs> the ideas or even the action or even anything. It's just, it's a, sort of a dreamy uh, illus uh, illusions that just set off reactions in you as an audience member. But um, one of the lines that I do remember coming back more than once is a version of something is rotten in the state. Isn't that right? That's, is that said more than, more than once, but it's mm -hmm. not a direct quote. It's slightly different. Isn't that right? Yeah. There's actually no direct quotes from, ha mm -hmm. from Hamlet in the, the script. I'm glad you said that because I spent a, too much of the time saying, wait, is that really Hamlet? That seems a little different. <laughs> yeah. um, the, the, there's a lot that are very similar. Uh -huh. And there's some that are allusions to, but mm -hmm. um, there's no direct quotes oh. from Hamlet. So um, one thing that's Im very important to say about your production, partly because Jonathan is here and partly because it's actually hugely important part of the experience of seeing the piece, is that you've turned it into, as you said before, an opera. So that's a huge... Uh, choice. <laughs> How did that happen and when did that happen? Um, about when did I first email you about Hamlet Machine? I think two years ago, Max said, hey, uh, I want to do uh, Hamlet Machine. Um, the the uh, Mueller had uh, certain uh, sections in all caps. Mm -hmm. So Max said, you know, I'm thinking about making the, the lines that are in all caps have them uh, be sung lines. Mm -hmm. 
So take a look at that and tell me your ideas. So we looked at that, and then that was uh, it. That was the start of it. it. That was the beginning, and then oh, it didn't happen, and oh, we're you know, and then Max did other shows in the meantime, and then we worked on another show, Ghost mm-hmm. Sonata at Oracle, in the meantime, and then it resurfaced. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, hey, you know, Max said, oh, I've got the green light. From- yeah, actually, the um, the part that Jonathan doesn't know about is uh, where this idea came from to make it an opera. Mm-hmm. Um, I was familiar with the piece long ago, but I was stressing out about Ghost Sonata and maybe some other pieces I was working on <laughs> at the time. And uh, I had a dream where I directed Hamlet Machine in my head. I had scenes constructed. I mean, I had solved the first two or three acts of the play. And you could remember it when you woke up? Oh, yeah. yeah wow. It was, it, was, it was clear. I got a lot accomplished for a play I had no green light to direct at the time. Um, but I woke up and I w- it was crystal clear in my mind. It needed to be an opera. I don't know if there's even any point in asking this question, but do you have a an explanation or you just, that seemed like the way to do it? And is well, there a rational way, is there a rationale for doing it as an opera or just it was cool and your subconscious said do it and you did it and it worked? Most certainly there's a rationale. Okay. So I, I, I direct from impulse, but I always look for the rationale to explain it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not satisfied if it just feels right. It mm-hmm. has to. It has to make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, so at the time it made sense, but the rationale that backed it up was. I mean, if you read Hamlet Machine, it's it's not a small play. It's nine pages, but it's a it's a, an enormous play. And for me, it, it had to do with the the ideas in that play were epic. The, the ideas are lofty. Like they need to, they need that energy underneath them to carry mm-hmm. them through the through the the story from beginning to end. And to me, the only way to convey that energy uh, to the audience that we have is to tell it through opera. I also read online that there are at least two other versions of it that were set to music. Did you know that? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. The, the probably the most famous uh, would be the the radio. Production by Einstein de Neubotten, which is a really popular uh, kind of a noise experimental mm. uh, industrial uh, group that mm. I've always really, really loved since I was a teenager. Mm. And when I read that, I was like, oh, <laughs> they, they did Someone else thought this was a good idea. Exactly. They did <laughs> Maybe we're not nuts. <laughs> right. uh, that, that one, and in fact, we, I, I, I was trying to, you know, listen to, to, other versions when Max approached me and said, Hey, I want to do this, mm-hmm. set this to music. Well, I want to do my research too. Say, well, you know, what has it been done? I read that it was, it was done as an opera and I couldn't get any music or any score mm-hmm. from it. Mm-hmm. And then the answers in the Neubotten version, which uh, I finally got a copy of uh, much later. Um, so, you know, and for me, I think that's a, a point to do it as well. For instance, if it's, and Max said, hey, I have the libretto for the magic flute. I want to turn this into an opera. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's been done. You know? uh-huh, right. Our version isn't, you know, what, right. what are we going to add, add to it? Uh-huh, right. so, so that's why, so, so for me, it's when, when Max approached me and said, hey, let's turn this into an opera, I thought, okay, the, you know, it's, it has been done before, but 
you know, hasn't been done, you know, maybe recently. The, it's very inaccessible, whatever it was, if you couldn't even find exactly, it. Exactly. So, I couldn't yeah. get the – so how big was that production? Was that just a very limited run uh, yeah. maybe in, in Europe? I think it was a, a German composer that did it before. Uh -huh. And Einstein and Neubotten, they're a German group as well. Yeah. So – And obviously that original is in German. We haven't actually said that, but that's right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I didn't – I and I believe that it had not been – I think this is uh, the first time it's been set to music in English. In English. Yeah, yeah. One thing, one part of my, we're, we're going to get to um, the design, uh, costume design um, in, a, in a moment, but there's a, kind of a similar question for both you, Jonathan, and you, Nevena, which is, you've got a script, you've got an idea that you're going to now realize this somehow, and you have to start somewhere. And this, it seems to me with a, a script like this, you have just complete freedom. You can do anything. There's like nothing required because it's so um, associative and free flowing sort of. So in some ways it seems like it would be so hard to know how to start. You know, what kind of sound am I going to use? It seems like you could do anything. Mm -hmm. I don't know if, do you feel like your work on this piece is kind of sounds like other things you've done or did the script call out something different? No, I, I, I think so. Um, uh, big, you know, as I said earlier, when Max first said, "Hey, take a look at this," mm. I had some ideas kind of floating around in my head. Had you written any opera, by the way? Uh, no, no, this is my first one. Mm -hmm. uh, oddly enough, Max and I have been working on an opera, and this it was kind of the an intermission to that. Mm -hmm. So I had, uh, I have not yet maybe coalesced an idea of an opera. Mm -hmm. But I had... Uh, You've been fiddling around. Exactly. Yeah. I had mm -hmm. a plenty of sketches, mm -hmm. uh, all, all, a bulk of the material written for this other opera that mm -hmm. we have yet to finish. Right. Um, and he, when Max says, okay, well, we are going to be doing it at uh, Trapdoor. And we are, in fact, going to be making it an opera. Mm -hmm. I think that day I thought, okay, an opera... Uh, well, oh my God! Can, <laughs> yeah, can I do this? <laughs> what have I gotten you myself know, into? Exactly. Yeah. You know, given... and how much time did you have? How much lead time? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think from the opening night to when he told me we are in fact maybe three and a half months. Yeah. You had you had a week and a half, two weeks exactly. before we started before you rehearsals. Could even start. Exactly, I was in the middle of another show. Right, he said. So, so uh, I, I gave him a warning shot, you know, fired <laughs> over the bow, and hey, we're going to be doing. Maybe this is going to happen. You should start yeah. warming up your creative right. juices. So immediately, I thought, okay, well, what am I going to do? This is what you went to school for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what am I going to do besides not sleep? Yeah. <laughs> you know what am I going to do? So what I actually did was uh, pretty clever, if I don't say so. You know, mm -hmm. I must say so myself. Uh, I had an unfinished uh, requiem that I it started in my undergrad. Uh, and that's kind of a cryptic, unfinished requiem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was romantic, like Mozart, right? Uh, or all the you know great works. And, you know, and I just learned uh, that uh, Turin dot Puccini's last opera was also was unfinished. unfinished. It's and someone came along and finished it exactly. It, you know, but the story so would end better if you just wrote the whole thing like in the last week before we opened. It's a, it's no, a good enough story. <laughs> or if I, had, if I had died, maybe a week. He was a, he had one last cue that he was going to write. <laughs> just didn't get to it. So, I, his, <laughs> so we just finished it. So so Max said it's just an opera. I thought, okay, well, what material do I, do, do I already have? Right. That's a large scale vocal work. So mm -hmm. I thought, well, Requiem, that will 
kind of fit mm -hmm. uh, even though I had I not really designed it for solo singers it was mm -hmm. more of a, a soprano SATB mm -hmm. soprano alto tenor bass breakup I thought well great there's all my material and I mm -hmm. went to it how, how much had you composed of that how many minutes uh, I would say what ended up going into the final work mm -hmm. about 60% mm -hmm. of Hamlet machine is this and that's a time honored tradition amongst composers right exactly recycle reuse <laughs> exactly were there pieces of it that you said just obviously fit some of the text that you had it just that was so natural or was it all kind of having to be reinvented to fit the text um the the only th piece of music uh, that actually, when I read it and mm -hmm. I thought, oh, I already have a piece of music that For I that. feel, mm -hmm. is actually the first thing you hear, which mm -hmm. is kind of like, it's kind of a prelude. Uh, it's all instrumental. It's mm -hmm. the, uh, before any line of text is spoken. Mm -hmm. And you also hear, it's a kind of a theme that kind of goes throughout mm -hmm. the show. Mm -hmm. uh, that was kind of the opening of, of my Sanctus piece in the, in the mm -hmm. Requiem. And, and it kind of has this, uh, ominous feel to it so i thought oh that's a piece of music that would be really oh, great for this mm -hmm. and i any any show i do i always think like do i have some piece like in the back use, yeah. that some string quartet that mm -hmm. i did never was performed or you know mm -hmm. that i wrote that was mm -hmm. that can work and so for this that actually worked the rest of it as max described was kind of like fitting a, a square peg in a, in a round hole mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. So the first idea, <laughs> the first extracts that I showed to Max was like, well, no, we're going to have to rework this. Mm -hmm. So I did kind of have to just, oh, sorry. I did kind of have to just uh, break it apart, chop it up. Uh, and as I kind of started doing that, uh, I, simultaneously I had to write new bits, new mm -hmm. works. And I mean, a part of that also goes along with, I mean, if we can talk about the process. A, a definitely unusual process because as you said that we have very very limited amount of time is it cast yet at this point when you're starting to compose i think uh, like uh yeah yeah, 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 day, yeah <laughs> that day of casting it was like okay day one of composing so now you know what voices you're writing with exactly yeah. vaguely but only from the cast from the rehearsals mm -hmm. or, or the audition yeah, from the, the audition mm -hmm. i knew and i was a classically trained voice in my undergrad so i knew okay well that this you know this particular uh, performer is an alto mm -hmm. this is a tenor so i have a, you know this is a bass mm -hmm. this is a baritone uh and these are and you also have a quality of person right you have a yeah, the actor has a personality that that you're... yeah that comes a lot. I was insistent on certain things with Jonathan saying like you know it's important that they have a good voice, but um, that they bring something personality wise to the process. Mm -hmm. So because we didn't ha we didn't know what it was going to be about when we first started, so we needed mm -hmm. to make sure that the people that we brought onto the process could do more than just sing. Everybody's going to be. Everybody has to have ideas. Yeah. <laughs> Painting, and, building. And not just <laughs> yeah. have ideas, but also be able to take an idea and turn it into something on stage. Yeah. And that was the thing that, that was important to well, us. Well, I'm sorry. I derailed you about process, but I just wanted to understand who all the processors <laughs> were. So anyway, so you're saying, so now you've got this very limited time. You've got these bits of music from your Requiem. Oh yeah, exactly. And so, based on our our, our uh, the parts that we've already cast, mm -hmm. 
a rough idea of what Max has. Okay, that I believe this is going to be this character because it was still like we were saying it was kind of nebulous and. I think this person is going to play Hamlet, and I I think this person maybe will play another Hamlet. I was going to say, <laughs> and these three people will play Hamlet. Exactly. Right? This is kind of the conversation. Um, let me ask another question. At this point, was it still possible that you would only do some of it set to music and some of it spoken? Or did you know from the get-go that you wanted to score the whole thing? Well, I, I feel like we knew from the get-go mm-hmm. it was all going to be music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on that I relied on Max. I think Max kind of had the vision. So, you know, it, that's kind of how we work as a team. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, I, I'm, I need to write the music. What kind of music do you need me to write? Let's let's figure this out. But because mm-hmm. it was so, a short amount of time, we had to do this. We kind of a smashed process. We're all simultaneously working. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the first thing was like, like I said earlier, okay, I needed a libretto, you know, step one, because looking at the original text, it's just, it's just a paragraph of text. There are no characters. I don't know who says what, mm-hmm. if I know, I need to know if this is a duet. I, we have six people in our cast already cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Max gave me the first version of the libretto which was the basic skeleton of everything. And mm-hmm. it, it, it laid out the characters. It laid out who said what. Um, so I took that and said, okay, this is just, this is Max Truax's version of, of Hamlet Machine text. Mm-hmm. So I had to take that and turn that into an opera. And then I sent that to Max. Okay, here's, here's, this is, uh, this is an aria. This is going to be recitative. This is going to be maybe a, a duet here. Mm-hmm. This is going to be, and then Max saw that and was like, oh, that's great. Yeah, okay. So he, he reworked some of it and then sent that back to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this is all happening at hyperspeed. As I'm yeah. writing songs, exactly. I'm like, oh, oh. so he when he – every time he reacts, I have to react to that. Mm-hmm. Okay, if he changes a verse. Well, we didn't have an opera until maybe four weeks, three weeks before <laughs> yeah. we opened. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think uh, it was like before um, – Just before Christmas break. Yeah, when we came back from, from Thanksgiving break is like when it was like, okay, let's – Put all these now it's an opera. pieces right, set things in stone. So to bring Nevena into it now, at what point does the design begin? When when do you first meet with your designers and it, in this process that you've been describing with Jonathan? How much of a, a script, a libretto, a score do you have at the point that you start to to work directly with the designers? You can start with that, and then I'll. Um, the uh, I mean the design process for this one was unusual. In that, because we, with an opera, let me go back. With an opera, you, um, the script is the score. Right. There's the libretto, which is the words, but the, the script is the score. Right. That That tells you what the emotional, like the, the emotional story is. Um, and that's the thing that we all lean on. Mm-hmm. And that's we completed before. Yeah, normally, generally, right. normally, <laughs> you can hear the music. Right, <laughs> you have that. Yeah. at the mm. first day of rehearsal, <laughs> we had none of that, and mm-hmm. we were creating that from the first day of rehearsal, and that resulted in, in a kind of you know incredible anxiety. But the um, because of that, it changed the shape of our our whole process, mm-hmm. and the design process because of that was a very unusual one. We um, 
we really didn't get into specific design ideas until much later in the process because usually you would meet with your designers six months before, right? And sort of, well, well that, maybe that's yeah. in <laughs> rich theater, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at least a, a week before, right? You know, week before rehearsals. Cause <laughs> I like to go into rehearsals knowing vaguely the world, what the, the world is going to mm-hmm. look and feel like. Mm-hmm. And the actors want to know, you know, a few weeks and what the stage is going to feel like. And what the text is. What the text is. <laughs> right. These are things that are normally a luxury, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, in this process, it was, it, the whole thing got turned on its head. And nobody was comfortable. Nobody right. was comfortable. And, um, and This is all created on the edge of fear. Well, so Nevin, describe it from your point of view. At some point, you get a, a Here we go. call from Max who says, I want you to design my Hamlet machine. And that was when? Um, that was, I think, two months before the show. Or And you had not worked be- together before, is that right? No, we didn't. No, no. And so how did, well, back to Max for a second, how did you pick Nevin? Um, she has done Trapdoor productions in the past. So she was kind of part of the company of Trapdoor? Yeah, and I'd seen her work as mm-hmm. well. I mean, mm-hmm. she's, there's nobody like her in the city. Mm-hmm. There's no, you know. And and we haven't said this. I think it's kind of important in all of this to explain that Trapdoor specializes in European repertory and a European aesthetic, um, whatever that might mean. But it is something distinctive. I mean, if you've seen a few Trapdoor productions, you begin to ex- to understand what that would be. And um, uh, Nevena is Serbian. Yes. And you've been here in this country for a year and three months. And did you do a formal costume design training program in Serbia? Yes, yes. I finished a master's degree in um, Serbia, in Belgrade. Um, And I worked a lot in Serbia, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, Not so much as a a main costume designer, only on a small, like smaller projects, Mm -hmm. but usually as an assistant uh, costume Mm -hmm. designer. So, um, well, the reason I wanted Nevena to be part of this conversation is because for me, the costume design was a huge element of the show and and very strong emotionally, um, one of the most memorable aspects of the show. <laughs> Thanks. So, and, and again, I, um, I would think that there's a, there must have been a vast range of choices you could have made. For yes, this, yes. you know, there's not even a period <laughs> that the script requires, right? I mean, maybe no, it's the same no, period as Hamlet, no. although that's this kind of vague, mythical Norway. No, it's very seldom. I mean, you don't have a clear sense of what clothes of that time would look like or whatever. And and any what you've done, well, maybe you can describe a little bit some of the elements that you used and and what um, wh- where the beginning of any of your ideas came from. Well, first of all, uh, during uh, my grad school, I um, I worked on um, uh, Heinrich Miller show, uh, like with just sketches and mm-hmm. ideas. It was a quartet. It was actually my favorite piece ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was uh, when I heard uh, we're gonna do Hamlet Machine, I was very excited, but I didn't read it before, mm-hmm. uh, and. Um, but it was kind of difficult, of course, to understand everything, especially in English. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, I don't know. I was very confused. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I was like, is this a Hunter Miller I was reading in Serbia? I mean, I it felt the same way, but I couldn't understand. And then I uh, 
like I opened a vocabulary and trying to translate and mm. it sounded even more confusing. So it's like, <laughs> there's no possible way to translate. It's actually, I think it's, um, but I felt the same way. I felt about uh, that dark, mysterious world um, Miller creates. I felt the same way. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know, uh, when I started working, um, I worked on something else as well. So I, I couldn't fully commit to, uh, from, uh, from the start. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I, uh, kept, uh, thinking about mm -hmm. ideas and, uh, I did a lot of research and Googling also Hamlet machines, uh, versions of some other people in the world that worked on the show. And I, um, but I also had, uh, from, uh, from uh, start uh, my own vision, mm -hmm. but also it was uh, pretty difficult to uh, go in um, Max's head uh -huh. <laughs> to see what he, uh, how he sees the show. And I was, I mean, I was panicking because I didn't have much time and that was like, that was even worse. So there was a uh, one point that I didn't even know, are we going to have a costume? So are we going to let actors be naked <laughs> in the show? And <laughs> it worked, <laughs> yeah. It was uh, one mm. point. <laughs> but uh, somehow um, I can say that whole process took, um, like I, I could, like I made the costumes in one week, actually the last week before uh, the show. So it was actually that is scary. <laughs> like seven days. But I did as I said, uh, I did a lot of thinking about the show. Mm -hmm. So it was actually a process of making was, uh, um, it didn't take much time. Well, do you start, do you start with colors? Do you start with shapes? Do you start with period? What do you, where do you begin as a designer? Um, well, I have, a, I had a, a picture in my head that it's supposed to be a dark, mysterious, uh, dusty, um, atmosphere, like, um, costumes that are, um, kind of worn and like it was happening all over again. Like they were playing a show for a thousand years. Mm -hmm. Like I, I wanted to create that image and luckily Max did like that. Well, another strong element to me is that the costumes are very sexy, especially the women's costumes. And I'll just try to describe one. Well, they all three have kind of, uh, is that right? Are there three? Mm -hmm. um, kind of almost like hoop skirts, constructed yes. shapes, yeah. yes. but they're transparent. So they're, there's a suggestion of the volume, but you're also seeing their underwear and a lot of leg. Mm -hmm. And one of them, uh, the Gertrude costume, is actually a, a transparent panel yeah, of drop cloth, you know, heavy plastic, yes. um, and which was also used in, in the set. So... Um, so that was striking. That was very striking. The, and, and, oh, then there's another amazing costume, the very last yeah. Hamlet. Ha <laughs> one of the very interesting lines, one of the Hamlets says, I want to be a woman. And then later comes out in a completely trans, well, it's not transparent, translucent plastic dress, but he's naked underneath, which is very apparent. Although you've actually, I thought, dealt really well with the issue of nakedness because audiences get so incredibly distracted by genitals and so you created like a double panel of the plastic yeah. so that you can't quite see his crotch but it's still he's naked and there's no question about it anyway so can you i mean i'm sure you just work intuitively you just had this idea and you knew it was good but can you at all explain why what in the text led you to to those ideas well um 
for a sexiness part. Um, I think uh, that was uh, like Max brought it. Like I uh, personally, I don't really like to provoke audience, so I was I was pretty afraid to go in that direction. I I I I thought there would be sexy enough in a corsets with the bare bare arms, mm-hmm. and I I didn't I didn't really want them to be that much naked. But mm-hmm. uh, when Max really wanted to to make them more sexy, I guess. Mm-hmm. And when I saw it that on a stage, it it kind of worked. So mm-hmm. I I I agreed, but I I wouldn't do it myself. So mm-hmm. that was a case where it was a director's vision that yes. you were realizing. Yeah. Was the use of plastic um, just practical or was it meaningful? When I when I wanted, a, like my first ideas about uh, costumes were um, kind of, res- uh, I wanted to make uh, recycled costumes. Like, mm. so I, I wanted to uh, cut whatever it's near my hand uh, and to just glue it and put it together to just to make kind of collage of everything that, is around me. Was there a reason that you thought that the plastic worked? Because I, I found it very effective, but I couldn't tell you why. Well, I mean, from a design standpoint, it worked with a set. Yeah. That was a big part of it. Um, but Which the set, because the set was also just this translucent, is it is it drop cloth? What is that heavy uh, plastic? It's a, it's a painter's plastic called visqueen. Yeah. I think it's the yeah. technical term for it, but it's just, it's a... Uh, just used to protect painters plastic for like heavy duty construction things yeah. that would tear normal plastic. Yeah. Um, the the idea that supports it is is that feeling like it's modern. The mm-hmm. piece is modern, and that this this sense of it being in, that the world is it's industrial, but it's under construction. Mm-hmm. I think I, I I had the impulse that I want it to feel like it's now, even though it's Victorian, even though it's the future, even though it's a thousand After years in the past. World War II. Who knows yeah. when it was, mm-hmm. but it needs to be now as well. And the thing that, that made it now for me was that sense of the the modern ghost towns of construction, like homes under construction, and that mm-hmm. sense of like you drive by, you know, a, a building where there's plastic just wrapping it, mm-hmm. and it's been that way abandoned, or abandoned, yeah. For, yeah. or on hold for a year and a half, and there's a whole world in there. You know, there's mm-hmm. people probably living in there. And there was that feeling of like, I don't know, coziness That's... inside of something very austere and very huh. um, uncomfortable. There's another way that it hit me, the design, and maybe this may have been as much the lighting as anything, was kind of a German expressionist 1920s. I don't know. Did any of that, was any of that intentional or was that just my idiosyncratic associations i'm not sure if it was there was a lot of green light right we're all very smart and i'm sure we were deliberately referencing that. okay <laughs> so whatever i mean each audience member brings well, something different there right? was a movement as far as the music goes mm-hmm. there was a, a movement called the futurist movement which was yeah, around yeah, yeah. the 1920s it yeah. was very a lot of the aesthetic it's that also we a using. nazi movement yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> which kind of I think definitely plays to the subject matter. I mean, anyone mm-hmm. who reads Hamlet Machine can see that Mueller was definitely speaking about post World War II yeah. communism. We looked at uh, constructivism fascism. as well, which mm-hmm. is uh, like Soviet art 
So mm-hmm. yeah, you know, like a little bit later, absolutes kind of uh, the harshness, and I think that's the themes that work with the Hamlet machines, like you know, the the rigidness over fluidity, or, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. and I think that played well in the, all the other design elements except the music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think being aware of that, I, I I already I knew ahead of time, like okay, well, you know. Are we going to do something that's, oh, I mean, you know, when the original, it's, I'm segueing the conversation. But something to talk has about to carry the music. us. Exactly. <laughs> to talk about something the music. has to carry us from the beginning to the end. Right. Even if all the ideas are in counterpoint to each other. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and that, I guess that was my opportunity to say, okay, well, is it, I, Max told me very early on, these are the things I want to avoid. I want to avoid violence. I want mm. to avoid uh, kind of like exactly the elements that, that were in all the other uh, designs. Uh, you know, uh, brutalism. I fight for it. <laughs> I, want to, I want to avoid. Um, in the music you're talking exactly, about. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I want this to to be beautiful. Mm-hmm. I want this to be uh, memorable and I think and accessible mm-hmm. was a big thing. I, mm-hmm. I could have written something that was like very a- angular mm-hmm. and jagged like mm-hmm. uh, some kind of point. 12 tone is sure. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that was not what we set out to do. Yeah. I think accessibility was was from the get-go. Okay, we, mm-hmm. we want people to, to not see this Hamlet machine and think, oh yeah, it was, it, this is Postmodern expressionism. It's German. It's mm-hmm. you know violent, and it's you were going against that somehow in the music. It, I well, that's what I. I, I don't know if <laughs> Max remembers telling me that. But <laughs> that <laughs> it was your idea. That was exactly. <laughs> if it was a good idea. I remember. <laughs> well, uh, there was one. Um, I've never seen or read the piece, so I didn't have any reaction to it as a production of a text that I already had feelings about. But there was one reviewer who talked about that it was um, a very emotional production and that the text is full of ideas and um, maybe more intellectual. Um, and that, well, so, and that actually rang true to me, that you had made a choice not to worry that's not the right word, but that the ideas weren't what interested you. It was, and you said this at the top of the interview. It was the feeling, these associations. There was something more. Um, what's the, what's the word I want? Impressions. To, yeah, impressionist, right? And that certainly is the way it hit me. I did not experience it as a political piece or as a cerebral piece. It just was drew me in. I couldn't tell you what it was about even, honestly. I couldn't come out and say, oh, that was a really interesting riff on the following ideas. I didn't come away with ideas. I came away with feelings, with sensations, with having been in this atmosphere. So long introduction to a question, which is, did you you know that's what you were going to do as you went in? Did you say, I'm going to do a Hamlet machine that's not about the ideas? Well, no. <laughs> That's <laughs> I, fine. <laughs> I mean, I didn't have that much foresight. Uh-huh. Though I think when I enter any piece, it's I don't I don't have a, an agenda. Mm-hmm. Um I look into it like what does the piece want me to do? What I'm was excited. in your dream? What was in that dream? Well, nothing that ended up in the piece. In the show, uh-huh. But 
there were seed ideas, mm-hmm. very important seed ideas that had to do with the breaking up of characters mm-hmm. and how those characters related to each other and what those relationships meant to the the, the piece mm-hmm. that informed the broader ideas that spawned a year later. It just, it seems fitting to me that this production that hit me honestly very much like a dream had its genesis in a dream. So maybe that's too tight and cute, but it did. It's a rare coincidence. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I hearing Max talk about that and that the, the about the the process of kind of exploration. I think that's a thing in theater, and especially with Max does in music. It's actually completely the opposite. You know, I don't hand a score to my players and say, you know, I'm like, let's find something. Let's fiddle around here, <laughs> exactly. right? Like, These are the I, notes. Play them, it's, please. It's, it's, it's written out, <laughs> yeah. you know, very specifically. Right. But Max may particularly have uh, an idea of of how he wants the dynamic of this particular scene to work. And there is a few scenes, and one major scene in particular, we had to very late. We had to rewrite the entire yeah. scene. The Much score. to the chagrin of the performers. The singers had to relearn. The score, the text, the, uh-huh. the, the yeah, yeah. yeah. A few of the performers were actually very vocally upset about that. Yeah. They um, had a lot at stake, I think. Oh, it's, it's <laughs> a, it was, it was, those it were hard. Yeah. It was late enough and, in the process. And I, I understand that you know, singing is something very vulnerable for, for, for performers. None of them were trained singers. Exactly. Yeah. None right. of them are, are musicians first and then mm-hmm. actors. And that's always a constant uh, with. Uh, opera singers, you know, you have to. Right. Uh, as it's a, usually the other way around. They're exactly. First the, and then the, the assistant music director Nicholas Tenozzi said he's like, usually in opera, you just you, you park and bark. You mm-hmm, know, you, right. you just pick a spot and you mm-hmm. sing, and then after your song is done, you move. Right. Uh, so these performers, which is really great, they they have a different aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to get into it, but for me, it was a constant battle. I think maybe reminding them like. You know, you also have to sing as well. <laughs> you know? Well, and I would think that you there were limitations in how difficult the music you could write. If these yes. were not trained musicians, you're not going to give them tritones to or whatever. I mean, exactly. you know, exactly. impossible and, leaps. And exactly, fortunately, mm-hmm. uh, with this piece, I, I was the design concept that I had initially. I want to have very simple melodic lines, and I going with the idea of accessibility. I think mm-hmm. with people, with the general public, so it's the listener and the singer. It's more accessible music. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but you know, if you ask any musical singer, that they, they'll tell you that the um, the timing of the lines, the timing of when they sang, was the hardest part, I think, for them to memorize because mm-hmm. it's so sporadic. Well, another thing that we didn't have—you didn't luxury. make it easy. Is the other thing we didn't have luxury of was, uh, you know, in operas you have a, a, a conductor. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> right. true. Uh, you know, you have a conductor exactly, and that is a, Giving cues, a major yeah. function to <laughs> say like, mm-hmm. well, and you come in now, right. and you know, your trumpets, you go down here, right. and the violins, and you come in, and then now you both. Mm-hmm. We didn't have that, you yeah. know. We mm-hmm. we had like, okay, you, you've got to. There's a on the third bip, you've got to go here. And <laughs> you hear that? Did you hear that? No. Okay. Well, you've got you got three beats here. Can you count three in your head? Uh-huh. In a way. Oh, was, you're already <laughs> you're already bending over backwards and carrying that prop that Max made you. Yeah, do? exactly. Yeah. Oh, you're moving over here, with the, and and that. Right. So it was kind of a simultaneous choreography. You know, dance, mm-hmm. ballet, opera. Mm-hmm. You know, the the actors were thrown everything, and and on top of 
oh, hey, we just rewrote this scene. <laughs> because, you know, and we're opening in and seven days. Exactly. Everything they got across exactly. Exactly. three days. Oh, this is right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we would not do that. But I, no, no, no. I, I think we pulled off an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. How, our, uh, how late program. was it in the process where you knew you were going to actually succeed? Um, about like 7 p.m. Opening? Of I <laughs> four days after we opened when the reviews. I thought maybe. Uh, this, maybe. People started to say like, and you don't believe your friends, but right. the other people started right. to say. We actually I pulled am, this up. You know, I'm still questioning. <laughs> well, I, I, as you're talking, I am sort of thinking, Jesus, this was a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think um, it's a, it's a fascinating show, and it, I, it part of what characterizes trapdoor is because it has this European aesthetic. Again, hard to characterize. It feels different from a lot of the other stuff you see in Chicago. Um, and this show certainly, I think, epitomizes that, but also just stands on its own because it's really cool. So thank you for talking to me about it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much.